In Daniel chapter 6, in the famous Lion's Den story, we learn that Daniel is a man of prayer. But did you ever wonder what he prayed? In Daniel 9, we're going to see this incredible prayer where he cries out to God for the nation of Israel. You know, as I look at our nation, I know if you're like me, we are praying for our nation, praying for revival, praying that the Lord would be at the center of what we do and how we live. Well, we're going to see Daniel's prayer and see what we can learn about our own prayer lives today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Throughout history, uh, you can think of Jonah's uh, ministry to Nineveh, even though he didn't want to go. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He laid aside his robe uh, from him. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat on ashes. And God did not judge Nineveh because the king all the way down repented in sackcloth and ashes. You guys all know the story of Ahab. Jezebel corrupted Ahab. He had no business being with her. But he married her, and she was into the foreign gods, and she was a terrible woman, and she was an, an adulteress in every sense of that word. And here's what God said to the prophet. Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. He acted very abominably in following idols according to all the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. And it came about when Ahab heard these words, reading from 1 Kings 21, that he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went about despondently. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring evil, bring the evil in his days, but I will bring the evil upon his house in his son's days. Even old Ahab, after hearing truth, repented. God can reach anybody, anytime, anywhere. No matter how far you think you've blown it as a Christian, there may be people who are listening to my voice. You're, gonna, you're watching this on the internet. You may be hearing this on the radio. And you think, man, I've gone so far. There is no way I can get back home. That's just a lie. Even Ahab, who married Jezebel and <clears throat> corrupted the nation and caused so much to happen that was wrong, was brought back again. And so there's hope for all of us, especially as we think about God's love for us in Jesus and how he has reached down to us in that love. Therefore, look at verse 14 of Daniel 9. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us, for the Lord our God is righteous, Daniel 9, 14, with respect to all his deeds which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who has brought thy people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, Daniel continues, this is his prayer, and has made a name for thyself as it is to this day, we have sinned, we have been wicked. O Lord, in accord with all thy righteous acts, let now thine anger and thy wrath turn away from the city, thy city Jerusalem, Turn away thy wrath, O Lord. That's what Moses said when two times he interceded for the nation of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to blot him out and I'll, I'll start over with you. I'll make a great nation from you. 
Now, if you were Moses, would you be thinking, man, yeah, they have been whining all this time in the desert. They're a bunch of whiners. Yeah, start over, Lord. That's a good idea. I mean, sometimes we're tempted, right? We get frustrated with people. We look at the world and we get frustrated. We get frustrated with other Christians. But Moses, in that moment, when the Lord said, just, just stand back, I'm going to blot him out. I'm going to start over with you. What did Moses do? Moses said, Lord, oh, Lord, no. Lord, blot me out of your book, but save your people. Now, God knew what Moses was going to do. The Bible says Moses was the most humble man that was on the face of the earth at that time. And Moses said, Lord, then take my name out of your book. But I don't want your name dishonored because the peoples round about will say he led them out of the land of Egypt only to destroy them in the wilderness. And I care too much about the glory of your name. So blot me out that your name might be preserved. When you start praying like that, look out. Look out when your prayers start becoming about the glory of God. Watch out when your prayers start becoming about the glory of his name and not your, just your, your little world here. And I'm speaking to myself when I say this. And of course, the Lord he heard Moses' prayer and he did not blot them out. In Romans 9, Paul says, I tell you the truth, I'm not lying. The Spirit bears witness that I have continual, unceasing grief in my heart for my kinsmen according to the flesh for Israel. I could wish that I would be a curse from God for the sake of my brethren, Israel. See, Paul's prayer in Romans 9, 1 through 3 is really the same type of prayer that Moses prayed in the book of Exodus. See, this is the heart of God. See, this is the heart of an intercessor when an intercessor begins to even own things that they didn't do for the sake of the glory of the name of God. And that's what Daniel's doing here. We have no record of Daniel sinning. We, we see him you know, being faithful. We know he was a sinner, but we have no record of some egregious sin that he committed. And yet Daniel keeps saying, we have done this. We have been, look at 15. We have sinned, end of 15. We have been wicked. O Lord, 16, in accordance with all thy righteous acts, let now thine anger, thy wrath, turn away from the city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, Zion. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a reproach to all those around us. You know, sometimes we can look at our family. Maybe you have, there's a part of your family that's in trouble. Maybe it's, Maybe there's a bunch of fallout going on in some segment of your family. You know, oftentimes there's a segment of the body of Christ that we can watch that there's some, some not so good things happening. Sometimes we hear of a report of another church, right? And we hear something happened or a, a pastor had a moral fall and there's all kind, kinds of fallout. And some of you, you know, you might be on the web and you, you begin to see the comments, you know, on social media. Oh, this place is a joke. Oh, they did this and that. And you watch the, the body of Christ falling apart. Why? Well, some of the things that are here, right? We, we can fall short. And so Daniel's just praying. He's just, he's just saying, Lord, for the glory of your name, restore the city that you said you would write your name forever, Jerusalem. When you get to go to Israel, and I hope all of you will get a chance at some point in your life, 
Jerusalem is such a phenomenal place to visit. But it is, but you'll be able to see in Jerusalem what's happened because of thousands of years of denying God's lordship. In fact, the city today is a token to unbelief, to be quite candid with you. Uh, we, were, we were there on a rooftop. We were overlooking the city, and there's a lot of different uh, religious uh, persuasions there, everything from Greek Orthodox to Muslim, all in this city. Uh, so many people trying to be packed into this little city. But the reason that it is where it is today, even though with the miracle of them becoming a nation again in 48, recapturing Jerusalem in 67, the, the city is a token, a picture of the results of unbelief. You can see it you can see it in the physical makeup of the city, but you can also feel it in the spiritual environment around the city. There are places that you can go to today in the world that you will sense a darkness. You ever been to one of those places? You ever been to a house or a neighborhood and you're just like, man, there's something off here. There's something wrong. And that may be that you're discerning that there's some serious unbelief or dark things that have happened. This is not something to take lightly. So he prays for your holy mountain, 16, middle of the verse, because of our sins, our iniquities, our fathers, Jerusalem, thy people, we've, we've become a reproach. Look at where they were. This people that was the apple of God's eye, now in Babylonian captivity, where the Babylonians sit there and say, sing one of those Zion songs. We want to hear some of your worship songs. As they walk in, in basically, probably with nose rings, connected to a chain off into Babylonian captivity, as many of their loved ones have probably died in the land of Babylon, longing at least to be buried in the nation of their fathers, which was very important to the Jews. But in a pagan land, in a pagan environment, their, their God mocked by the Babylonians, our God stronger than your God. Look, we took the vessels of your God into our temple. How much mockery and ugliness do they have to live with? You see, sin will take us farther than we ever thought it would take us. That's why you have to be wise. And so now our God, 17, listen to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplications. Listen to my requests. And for thy sake, O Lord, let thy face shine on thy desolate sanctuary. O God, sometimes this is my prayer. O God, would you shine your face on me again. Would you shine your face in a dark place again? A place that maybe has been, you know, filled with desolation and unbelief and sin? Would you shine here again? Think about where the temple is right now. The temple is in utter desolation. It's been razed to the ground, burned to the ground by Nebuchadnezzar and his armies. The nation's in a shambles. Imagine if it was your homeland. Imagine if you came back to your neighborhood. Imagine for a moment if for 70 years you were a young teenager. Let's say that you were 12, 13. And for 70 years you were carried off 
let's just say to Canada or Mexico, and your nation had been destroyed. And let's say you're in your mid-80s and you get to go back to the land. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... We are entering the holiday season, which reminds us of a time of harvest. The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And your nation had been destroyed. And let's say you're in your mid-80s and you get to go back to the land. And let's say you come back to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. I'll really personalize this. And you walk back on these church grounds and this church has been leveled to the ground. And every church in our city is in rubble. How would you feel? What would you think about God, about your, your belief? What would your prayer be like? Would it be pretty raw? Would you be getting past all of the the unnecessary stuff and be praying something like this. Oh, Lord, let your face shine on this city again. We're sorry. Look what's happened. That's where Daniel is. That's what Daniel's praying. Rodney Stort says, maturing in prayer is seen when we are concerned about the creator's glory in our prayers and not the creature's comfort. Close quote. But I have to tell you that the books are flying off the shelves about the creature's comfort. And I, I like creature comforts. Do you? I like frozen yogurt. My own frozen yogurt, right? I like, I like where I live. I like that I have a nice car to drive. I like that I could go here or there. But in the end, my creature comforts are not what my faith is about. My faith is in Jesus Christ, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done. Oh, Lord, let your face shine on that desolate sanctuary that I long to see again. In the book of Numbers, the, uh, the great ironic blessing, turn there for a second because it applies to this language. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. This is um, Numbers 6. And this is uh, at the very end of the chapter, something that you're all familiar with, I think, but it's worth looking at again in the sense of God's face shining again. The Lord speaks to Moses. He says in verse 22 of Numbers 6, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, the first high priest of Israel, to his son saying, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord, number 624, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you shalom or give you peace. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel and I then will bless them. 
When Jesus was getting ready to go back to heaven, one of the last priestly acts that he did was he blessed the disciples as he was departing. Write down for your notes, Luke 24, 51. He was blessing them, and he may have had his hands something like this uh, in the way that a Jewish high priest would bless. And he was blessing them as he was going. I was listening to a uh, teacher who was saying that when the priest would bless like this, they would drop their heads so they would be, in essence, looking at his uh, feet that would have the scars from the nail that went through it. And they would bow in the blessing, and then he was going up. Can you imagine that moment? And he's going back to heaven, and he was blessing them. And you know, the Lord's face shining upon us this same teacher said a good way, if you turn back to Daniel 9, to think of the languages. Have you ever, for those of you who have children, do you remember if they may be small right now, so this would resonate, you take your child and you raise them up like this and their face is aglow with life. And when you hold them up, it's like this face-to-face uh, You don't even need words. Now, you hope that they haven't eaten recently because they... <laughs> But you know what I'm saying here. All the best thoughts here, right? You lift them up, and they're just, you know, kind of goo-goo laughing. And, and there's this face-to-face moment where there's almost, you could call it a, a shining. And in this sense, when the Lord wants, he says, pray this way. Look, the Lord's the one that gave him the prayer, right? So this is, this is his will, that his face would shine on us, that he would, his countenance would bless us. Here's what I want you to see, that oftentimes I think, and maybe we don't see God this way, but you are his child, and I think oftentimes he just wants to take you and just say, I love you. You're mine. I'm going to let my countenance shine on you. Just, just seek me and you'll find the strength that you need. Return to truth, return to me. Daniel 9:18, O God, O my God, Daniel 9:18, incline your ear and hear. Open thine eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by thy name, for we are not presenting our supplications before thee on account of any merits of our own, but on account of thy great compassion. Sometimes we think our prayers will be heard better if we had a good godly day. If I read a few chapters of my Bible and I opened up that devotional that I get every morning and and I actually looked at it and read it and I turned on worship music and maybe I tried to witness to a friend, my prayers have to be more effective that day than when I woke up growling and drooling and angry at the world or whatever. No, no. No, the Lord doesn't hear your prayer based upon your merits. He hears your prayer based upon the merits of another. Right? Our great high priest in heaven. Now, the Lord wants us to live a holy life, no doubt. And there are things that can block our prayer life, no doubt. But Daniel says, Lord, I'm I'm not presenting this to you. I'm not praying these things on account of my goodness. And I think Daniel could could certainly give his resume about how he had been faithful even in Babylon. But on account of your great compassion. See, the Lord is compassionate. 
And so he ends the prayer by saying, verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For thine own sake, O my God, do not delay. Because thy city and thy people are called by thy name. In his two-volume commentary on Daniel, Calvin has a 50-page discussion on this prayer in which he insists that knowledge of God's promises stirs us to prayer rather than merely causing us to become detached from God's actions. He goes on to say these words. The faithful do not acquiesce in the promises of God as to grow uh, tepid or torpid or lazy and become idle and slothful through the certainty of their persuasion that God will perform his promises, but are rather stimulated to prayer. For the true proof of faith is the assurance when we pray that God will really perform what he has promised us. Nothing can be better for us than to ask God for what he has already promised. And so we pray the promises. We go to our Bible and we say, Lord, this is what you have said. This is what you have promised. And this is what I'm going to pray. And when we pray, heaven is enlisted. We can find help for today in our own immediate situation, but we can also find help for our political leaders, our missionaries, our sister churches in the city, organizations that are taking a stand for Jesus Christ. You see, when we pray and we seek the Lord, he hears and he wants to act. And that's the beauty of walking with him. Would you humble yourselves with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, teaches us about who you are, what we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing. And one of the things that you told us to do is pray. Lord, we all would confess tonight that we could get better, we could pray more, we could be more effective, uh, spend more time. But in the end, I think prayer is about having your heart and I know the disciples, when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, it was because they watched you in communion with heaven. Lord, would you teach me how to pray? Would you teach me to walk with you, to hear your voice, to let my Bible be open as I pray, to be informed about your heart, to not be missing the mark with prayers that are about my own kingdom or something that I want, but let it be about what you want, Lord. Teach me your will, teach me your ways, said the psalmist. Teach me, Moses said, to number my days that I can present to you a heart of wisdom. And so, Lord, I just thank you for the precious people that are here tonight. I thank you that you're a God who hears us when we call. You're a God who uh, invites us to a throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. And thank you that our great high priest is in heaven. He has a ministry to his people today, a ministry of intercession, a ministry to dispense grace. So I'm going to ask you to take a few moments, brother, sister, seeking his face right now as we close this time. If you're not a Christian, the Bible calls upon you to uh, believe in the Lord, to trust him, his death on the cross, his resurrection. So if you don't know him yet, 
and he's called you to this place tonight. Maybe something strange happened, and that's why you're here tonight, or you're listening to this. Heed his voice, cry out, say, Lord Jesus, be my Savior, my Lord. I believe you died on that cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, and I'm going to trust you as my Savior, my Lord, my King, my intercessor. So Lord, for those who are crying out, maybe those who are rededicating themselves, and for the church, your uh, blood-bought bride, the one that you love, the one that you died for, rose for, intercede for, I just pray you'd strengthen her, strengthen us to walk with you, Lord. We thank you so much for your great love, your great compassions that never fail. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now. It really makes you think of the time of the harvest. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption as Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH, and we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, You'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.